Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University listeners, this is David Farmer, and I am joined by Jeff Henderson. Jeff, welcome. Hey, Dave. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, it's just, just the two of us today. It right? is just the two of us today. It's not quite the same without uh, Shane and Kevin, but they've got big things happen in their lives. So we're as opposed to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that's not true for you. And we're going <laughs> to unpack that today in this episode of uh, Launch University. In fact, we're going to talk about some of the incredible things you've got going on in your world. And so I'm really excited. I just get to get here and kind of pick your brain and, and uh, help you unpack this a little bit. So if, if you're listening, we're all about trying to help you launch maybe your new thing, your side hustle, or maybe you're working within the context of an existing organization. We like to talk to entrepreneurs as well. Those That's are right. the folks who are they're bringing about change inside some um, existing structure, and you can do that too. We hope you are. Uh, in fact, um, you're doing a little bit of both here. And so, I, one of the things, one of the reasons I love hanging around with Jeff, he will, he is constantly coming up with great new ideas. <laughs> And you have to be careful you don't walk away going, man, I got nothing going on in my life right now. But you do have some big stuff going on. And for those of you that are listening, don't know uh, Jeff's backstory. Uh, he's had um, great experience in the marketplace. He, I'm with Chick-fil-A, but Jeff was with Chick-fil-A how many years ago now? Almost 16, Dave. Holy smokes. I know. And then he was um, recruited to come and help launch a large church in the Atlanta area in Buckhead. He did that. And then the same organization, which is very big, asked him to come up uh, to a suburb north of Atlanta and launch Gwinnett Church. And that happened how many years ago? Um, About eight years ago. Yeah. So we, I mean, we were starting in a, as you all know, starting in a a convention center and then moved to a church for Sunday nights and then moved into the, our permanent location uh, three years ago. Yeah. And it, it was a pretty big launch right out of the gate. I remember actually being there for the the very first night, which was uh, super cool. I'll never forget that memory. And I I mean, you now lead um, Gwinnett Church and I'm not sure what you're thinking about. If you're out there listening, you're thinking about churches, but this is you got a large staff. How, how big is your staff at Gwinnett Church? We'll have around 50. That includes uh, contractors and some part-time folks as well. Okay, so there's a lot going on there, doing some incredible stuff uh, in this community north of Atlanta. And again, it's part of a much larger organization called North Point Ministries, which has some of the most progressive and some of the larger churches you'll see anywhere. And we're going to talk about something you're doing while at Gwinnett Church, and we're going to talk about a book you're releasing. So why don't we start with the church first? Sure. Well, so we're in the middle of, or just actually the day that we're recording this, we're just a few weeks away from opening our second location in Gwinnett Church. So it's about 20 minutes from our current location. It's a closed-down grocery store, which is takes me back to my Buckhead Church days because our, our first Sunday morning environment for Buckhead was in a closed-down grocery store. So that was Harris Teeter. I want to give a shout-out to Winn-Dixie, who basically built this building for us. And Go Winn-Dixie. So it's, it's, 
it's going to be a great opportunity for us. It's um, a new opportunity for our organization. This is the first time um, a, a, a church that we own, if you will, is actually going to launch us another church. So how do we do this? You know, I've learned so much from, I mean, in essence, franchising. So this is a, a multi-store, multi-unit, you know, operation, if you will. So able to learn and still lean on my Chick-fil-A experience. Even though I've been gone technically from Chick-fil-A for 16 years, as Wendy says, I've never really left. Yeah, you never did. <laughs> You've done a good job of staying connected. So I feel like I'm kind of up to speed on uh, everything that's happening. You at least, are. At least from the outside in. And so just to be able to learn and see how you guys do this and how can we franchise this. So earlier this morning, we actually had our first Gwinnett Church staff meeting at the building. And so we still have a long ways to go, but it's very exciting. Uh, and this is a new venture for us. So a lot of uncertainty in terms of how does this work organizationally, who reports to who. So, but I don't know if this is a strength for me, David, but I love gray. I love the, I don't know, let's figure it out. So, it's not black or white. It's kind of gray. Right. right. Okay. That's cool. And so I uh, just say a little bit more about this. It's probably not quite a half hour away from uh, the church. The right. So Gwinnett Church was one church. Now it's two churches, a Sugar Hill campus and a Hamilton Mill campus. Correct. Correct. And, and you're going to have your first real launch service at this new Hamilton Mill campus uh, later in January. That's right. Last Sunday in January 2019 is okay. the plan. And uh, we'll launch with two services, and then we'll we'll be in this game. See how it goes. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, that's project number one. Note that we're going to jump over to project number two. Have Jeff unpack that a little bit for us, and then I want to come back and really ask you to think about some of the principles that you've learned as you've gone about both bodies of work here. Sure. All right. So project two is really about a book that you've been working on. Tell us a little bit about the book and where you are in that. Well, the book is called Four, and basically, if you've ever heard of a business that's experiencing a decline in sales, or a church, or a nonprofit that is experiencing a decline in participation and momentum, the book tries to answer why is that. And another way we do this is we ask the question, what causes a business to grow? What causes a church to grow? And I've been really blessed to work for two thriving organizations, Chick-fil-A and North Point, which I could argue at, at the, near the top of their fields. Yeah. Experience and over the course of the last several years have experienced explosive growth. So, you know, I just thought that's, I'm really blessed. I got to work for both these organizations, but then I began to realize, wait, this is a stewardship opportunity. I'm on the front row of these two outstanding organizations. I should learn what caused them to grow. And there's a lots of reasons, but if you were to say, Jeff, if you could only boil it down to a few, what would that be? That's what the book's about. And so I try to teach churches and businesses and nonprofits some principles of how to grow their organization, because I think the world needs more thriving businesses, more thriving churches, and more thriving organizations. And so that's what the book is about. And it talks about how to be for customers and for the community instead of trying to get customers to be for, uh, try to talk about the business so much. Uh, uh, there's a line in the book that if, if a business was a person, many businesses would be considered narcissists. Because if you look at their Facebook or Instagram feed, it's all about them and look at our products and we're much better than our competitors. I think the game is shifting. We still need to create raving fans, but I think the way we create raving fans is by becoming a raving fan of the customers and shifting the spotlight away from talking too much about the business and start engaging with customers in their world about them. And let's be truly for them. And if they'll be, if you're for them, they'll be for you. All right, so I believe you've got some content that can resonate with a lot of folks, whether 
you're in a nonprofit, you're in a for-profit, um, and I'm excited about that. This is a book that's probably going to launch when? October the 1st, which is pretty cool for me, Dave. You know, you, you know, you knew my dad really well. My dad um, passed away a few years ago, and I got the, an email from the publisher that said, hey, well, you know, looking at the publishing date, it's going to be October 1st, which actually was my dad's birthday. Wow. So that's like, a, I think that's no coincidence there. So it's coming out October 1st. Of course, you know, we're, gonna, we're in the middle of trying to figure out, you know, a, a pre-sale and a pre-marketing strategy and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so that's... That's that's kind of in we're thinking through that right now. Well, I know a couple of weeks ago you uh, sent a message and said, "Hey, I'm going to send you sort of just a little rough outline of the book. Would you right. mind setting aside some time the week of Thanksgiving and just let me know what you think about something?" Oh, I can't wait! I'm excited. I, I got this one evening. I'll sit down and read through <laughs> Jeff's little draft and I'll let him know what I think. And I get this email. I'm like. I can't read this much in one night. I was like, wow, he's done an enormous amount of work. And uh, it was just really cool to see how much you had done already on this project. Well, that was my strategy to make sure y'all would actually start it. Instead of saying, I'm going to send you the whole thing. Just, hey, well, you read a little bit of this. So. Yeah, there's a lot more than a little bit there, but it was it was awesome. So we're going to come back and in future episodes, we're going to track Jeff on this journey of launching a book. Because some of you have a desire to do this. Some of you have done this we've had yeah. guests other guests who've done it i don't know that we've been with anybody throughout the process though. right and i love that by the way uh a recent podcast guest dana spinola just launched her book oh fabric so, okay um, what's the name of the book um it's called love what you do and so we'll post it on our instagram feed by the way if you're not following us on launch university on instagram please do because we're gonna we we really highlight our community but try to highlight our community in ways that it's very helpful for you and inspiring for you so i'm very excited that dana's book is out too yeah we love dana she's awesome yeah she's come and spent time with my team they yeah, think yeah how'd that oh, go? they think they think she hung the moon yeah um, so yeah, she is awesome. So we'll actually uh, put a link to on our show notes. So speaking of show notes, you can go to our website, um, www.launchuniversity.com. And I'm about to get you to start unpacking principles. So if you're like driving or working out or doing something where it's not really convenient to write all this stuff down, just know, go to the website because we invest the time to try to make it easy for you to extract the content and put it into action. Because as we like to say, Jeff, we like to help people finish the sentence. You know this well. Launch and sustain. How do you yeah. like to say it? Well, we like to take good ideas, turn it into reality, and sustain it. And, and sustain so, it. So if you get the notes, you're going to be able to sustain it. You can do we just want, Yeah, we don't want you just to launch. We want you to launch that great idea and sustain it. Yeah, I learned that. That's, that's your line I love. So. <laughs> All right, so here you are. You have a big job already. You have a lot of people that you're trying to take care of. And oh, by the way, Sunday rolls around every week just about right, right? and what you, we can get yeah, so you got church and then there's all the stuff that happens in the middle of the week so there's a lot to running such a large church but then you say oh we'll launch another one oh and i'm gonna write a book that's a lot mm -hmm. talk to us tell us some of the things that you've learned as you've been really uh in the midst of all this well, I feel like I'm in, in, on the other side of the expert here. I mean, I've learned so much of this from you. I mean, I don't know how many times I've heard you say, you got to chunk it down to small <laughs> bite-sized pieces. So I would say, I mean, we could walk through this if you want to, Dave. Yeah, I would it. say, if you talk about, let's, the book is a great example. Uh, the first thing, you know, I get a contract from a publisher. That's, a, that's another story we can talk about another day. And they said, okay, you have a deadline. you got to have 40,000 words. Well, that's, you know... Typically, if somebody doesn't have a full-time job, they could say, hey, I'm going to take three or four weeks or two months. I'm just going to 
carve out everything and just write this book. Well, I don't have that luxury. Uh, we're launching this new campus. I actually, I don't have to. I get to go work at Gwinnett Church. So I love Gwinnett Church. So the question is, if I don't have two months to just focus on this, how do I do this? And that's where you taught me, you know, chunk it down to bite-sized pieces. So the first thing I did, I would tell anybody, is define a small win. What is a small win? So for me, I broke it down to 500 words a day, five days a week. Wow. That's what I've got to do. And if you, you know, if I got to get to 40,000, that's 80 days. All right. So what that really took the pressure off. I didn't have to write 40,000 words in three weeks. I just had to get up and we'll talk a little bit about the timing, but I had to write 500 words a day. The other thing that's important is that isn't 500 of the best words that literature has ever seen. <laughs> it's just 500 words because what you're doing at that point, the editing process will come later. Don't edit as you as you write, and, and some may have other opinions about this, but for me, it was, I'm going to get, I win today if I get 500 words out. And some days, what would happen, David, is I would go from 500 to 3,000, because I would hit a moment, I'm like, oh, this is really good, I would hit a moment of inspiration. And I think this is an important point about inspiration. Um, if we wait on inspiration, inspiration is fickle. So I, I would say don't wait on inspiration, work for inspiration. So just show up and do the work. And sometimes the inspiration comes and it's great. And sometimes I would constantly be hitting the word count and I would get my, anywhere close, I'm at 75 words now. <laughs> okay, so th this is so good. So th this principle, small wins, this speaks to me. I, I don't know if everybody's like me, but when I have a big, big task, I lock up sometimes. And I don't start because it feels sort of overwhelming and I don't know how to start. And, and so there's, this, there's the magnitude of the task. And then what I hear you talking about is the, how finished is it? How, how perfect is it? And by giving yourself permission not to be perfect right out of the gate, it helps you kind of create this momentum that you're going to need. Right. And, and I know a lot of you out there, you're not writing a book. This principle still applies. You got something big to do. You got something maybe you just don't want to do, but it needs to happen. How can you break that thing into some small wins? Mm -hmm. Awesome principle. And if you don't, what happens is, is the stress starts to build. Yeah. It's no fun anymore. Yeah. The other thing, not just mention the church, uh, the other things going on in Launch University and everything else. I mean... I'm married. I got kids. I want to be focused on them as well. So I wanted to be able to do this in a way that didn't just rob me of joy, you know. All so right. I knew I got 500 words a day. That that defined that defined the win for me. That's big. Now I would need a smaller goal probably than, <laughs> than 500 words a day, but you can handle a heavy lift like that. Good for you. Yeah. So the second thing uh, you have to what I call define. There are three areas of work in a project. Uh, I think there may be more, but I would just say three areas of work. Uh, there's creative work, there's logistics, admin, if you will, and then there's people work. Creative, logistics, people. So for me, the book, the first part of the book was creative, writing. I'm now transitioning into the logistics, which is capturing footnotes, photo approvals, quote approvals, 
all that's the kind of logistics i'm transitioning to that work and then eventually after that i'll transition into people which would mm. be saying hey dave farmer would you tweet out about my book okay yeah. so but where i was earlier on is the creative i'm the create so where i am in the book i'm now in the creative process don't worry about logistics and photo approvals and all that don't worry about the book launch quite yet that's not where you are the reason that's important is that leads me to the third step. If you're if you're if you're scoring at home, it's define small wins, define the type of work you're in, and then define when you do your best work. So, as I'm writing the book, I'm not in a logistics admin, I'm not in people, I'm in creative. So the question is is where am I in this in the day? Where am I best creatively? Where am I, where where am I at my finest from a creative standpoint? And that can be time um, it could also be physical environment as well. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I do believe in, I, I, I do believe in finding a couple of places where you're kind of thinking yeah. um, or writing. And my friend, Kerry Newhoff taught me this principle, which I think is really good. He says, do what you're best at when you're at your best. So do Say what you, that again, because I want people to get this. That's right. Do what you're best at when you're at your best. So whatever your gift or strengths are, that would be your best. But then it's not enough to know that. It's you've got to discover when are you at your best. That's the powerful combo there. It's not just, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm a great, you know, whatever it may be. I'm a great singer. I'm a great musician. Okay, but when are you writing your best songs? And for me, from the creative standpoint, I discovered that I'm at my best very early in the morning. So I would, I would very very there may be a couple of exceptions to this because i may have been on a plane somewhere and had some extra time but for the predominant amount of time it was 5 30 or 6 a.m that morning uh, the first thing i did you know getting up devotion cup of coffee and then i would start writing and That's so for good. me because i become less insightful and creative the more the day wears on now that may be the opposite for some people oh, as yeah. the day goes on they just get you know they're not night owls and they they become alive more creatively so you've got to figure that out for yourself and so if you define a small win if you define which one of these areas that you're in currently creative logistics for people then go it's at 5 30 a.m then you got to be committed to that do you have to cr do some things that um keep you from getting interrupted in other words you know it's that time you're in the right spot you don't want to you don't want to miss it how do you um kind of wall yourself off a little bit so you can get this 500 word task knocked out yeah well i try to keep a timer like you're timing this podcast i try to keep a timer and and, and try to try to see if i can get this done within an hour and if not then if i'm having a really tough day then i'll just get up and walk around i try to not look at any don't get on social media. Yeah, don't do any of that. Don't check the scores from last night. Which for me is an important reason to do it so early because most of the world is still asleep, yeah. you know. And so that way, you know, uh, and of course, I, you know, if I'm at home, many times I'll either be at home or I'll go to a coffee shop. Yeah. So it kind of depends on how I'm, how I'm feeling. But um, so I, I kind of slot out that hour and then sometimes it's going really well and I'll just kind of keep going. Yeah. Well, I, I know that feeling. It's hard to start, but once you get started, it's it's physics. You know, you got a little momentum. You yep. want to keep rolling. So if you got the time, keep rolling. Yep. All right, that's awesome. So define the small wins. You've defined these different roles that you've got to play. Right. You've defined when you're going to do the best work for that specific role. What else have you learned? Well, and I'll 
uh, choose Gwinnett Church, Hamilton Mill for this. And all this really applies. You know, a small win for us when we launched, we actually have a small group of people that are actually meeting at our church right now. It's just a few hundred. They're, they're meeting in a certain room at our church on Sundays. Well, that was a small win for us to actually have people showing up. So we're actually opening. The church is already kind of open. It's just in our current facility over at Sugar Hill. Um, for me, we're now in logistics world. And, you know, it's punching out the punch list and getting technology up and running and all that kind of stuff. And then we're also probably into people as well in the sense that we've really been recruiting volunteers for that. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are with that. And then delegation really for me, delegation to me shows how well you believe in your hiring decisions. Because if you're not willing to delegate and let the team lead, then either you don't trust the team or you haven't trusted your own hiring decisions. Yeah. And so this has been a great opportunity for our team at Gwinnett Church because people are being stretched in really good ways in roles that they haven't had a chance to, to do before. Okay. And uh, like Al Causey, you know Al, he's uh, kind of running the day-to-day operations at Hamilton Mill. Lauren Espy, you know Lauren, she is running the day-to-day at Sugar Hill. And all of that's fantastic, but but it flows all the way down. I'll give you one of our most avid Launch University podcast listeners, Brooklyn Warren. Give Brooklyn a shout out. Brooklyn is over guest services, but because we're going to two locations, we're going to need more people that can communicate and host. Brooklyn is a fantastic communicator, but now that we are going to have two locations, she has now been given more opportunities to communicate and host the service. I was sick a few weeks ago. She handled the whole thing for me and is phenomenal. So... I loved seeing leaders like that grow, but that's going to mean that I've got to continue to delegate, and I want to delegate liberally and and just say, hey, I think you can do this. So I think to do all this stuff, you're going to have to believe in your hiring decisions. You have to hire well, and obviously that is the most obvious statement. But I've seen leaders who say, I I believe in the people I hired, and they don't delegate. And to me, that's a clue that you don't really, you're not comfortable for, something's wrong there. And we could all say, I'm a control freak. Well, maybe, I don't know. But if you're not delegating, it shows to me that you don't believe in your hiring decisions. Can I dig in a little on this delegation idea? If I go back to the roles, you talked about creative, logistics, administrative, um, people stuff. You probably don't see yourself as being equally good at each of those, right? Oh, no. No. So how do you decide how much time – some of it has to be done, but how do you decide how much time and energy you really want to pour into one versus finding someone who may even be better equipped that could take it and run with it? Well, for example, building design, uh, I don't do hardly any of that. Yeah. And when I say hardly any, that means none. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll see the plans and I can't really understand the plans and see the plans. But then I will say, hey, what is, tell me where the vision is in the building. Where's, yeah. the, where's the building speaking vision? That's, for me, if you took the word creative, I would say in this building process for Gwinnett Church, I would maybe the word creative could be vision. Yeah. That's, that's my most, uh, I think, helpful contribution to the team is casting vision of the why and then making sure the vision speaks not just uh, words on a stage, but as they walk through the building, they're understanding, here's why we're doing this. I, I wouldn't think you'd get super excited about the logistics and admin stuff. Not at all. I would think you're going to gravitate to creative and you're going to gravitate to all things people. Right. But even in this book project, if I go back to that, you're having to do some of that yourself. 
Yeah, and that's been that's bogged down a little bit with trying to do how do you put a footnote in a word document that kind of which is so yeah. basic, but I've had to figure that out, you know. And you know, some people may say I can hear our mutual friend Brian, Brian Miles hire somebody to do that, Jeff, but not quite in a position to do that. So, but All right, so go there because I think we got a lot of folks that are listening and they don't. There's stuff that has to get done. They don't really want to do it. They're not great at it, but they're not sure they can. They're at a place where they can hand it off or. Uh, afford to pay somebody how do you wrestle with that what do you do when do you when do you get to that how do you know when you're at the stage where you can hand it off well for me the the footnote is a kind of a uh, it, it may be a helpful example when i i mean there's probably 80 footnotes in the book you know but when i was taught how to do this i thought you know i, I can figure this out so what i did is i just slotted a day and said i'm going to do this on a saturday and i actually knocked it down knocked it out this past saturday in half a day and just oh I, I can do that. If it had taken me more than that, I would have to say okay I got to hire somebody to do this. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to make sure is that my energy is building; it's not draining. Yeah. So for me, logistics and admin, it's draining me. If I, so, the more I spend on that, I mean I need to spend a little bit of time on that. But if I'm spending too much time and my energy is draining, and I when I think about the project, I go oh no. Versus you know sitting up and going I, I can't wait to get there. Yeah. I want to. I want to be very mindful of my energy and anticipation, or lack thereof. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I know about you. I've seen this over a long period of time. You, um, you don't procrastinate. You start, and I think that's huge. So you don't push things off into the future and just talk about it. You're an activator. Sometimes you may even start and you don't even know quite how it's going to play out or where you're going next, but you're just starting as though I'm going to create some momentum here. Right. I think that's really good, too. And the, 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 the interesting thing is, is sometimes you end up in places that you weren't sure you'd actually end up. Yeah. I, I give you an example of this. I remember hearing Stephen King talk about writing, and he said many times, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where... And many times the characters take over. Okay. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, well, I just... The character does something in the story, and we actually wind up going in a totally different direction. I feel like from a creative standpoint, if you never start, you never see where that process will take you. Somebody in a meeting may say something, or um, or something may come up. Even in writing this book, the more that I've written it, the idea, I thought I had a pretty good idea, but as I've written it, it's crystallized to get even sharper. And, and that's, as I've talked to, 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 to writers and authors, they'll say one of the challenges, once the book is published, you're going to read it. You're going to go, oh, I wish I should have I should have written that. But at some point, you know, as Steve Jobs was famous to say, you got to ship the product. Yeah. So if you never start, you're never able to see where this thing is going to go. So it's really kind of going, this is curious. Let's just see where we, where we go. And I think the reason a lot of people don't start is they've especially let's, let's take writing. They write the first 100 words and they go, this is awful. This is terrible. They hit delete and they start over. Nope, just keep going. All right, so this is your outline, but I'm going to add a point that's based upon what I know about you. I'm going <laughs> to add start now. All right. Because I think we've yeah. got some folks out there. They're sitting on a great idea. They're sitting on something they want to do. Hey, do it now. Start now. This, give yourself uh, an ultimatum because uh, that's what Jeff Henderson does. <laughs> And I am, I am really excited uh, about this stuff coming to fruition. Well, thanks, Dave. You've been a huge influence and huge encouragement. And, and I would just add, too, that one of the ways is to, to, to start is to create an artificial deadline. Trick yourself into thinking that there actually is a deadline. Yeah. 
And when you do that, that I just believe in deadlines that'll help you get there. All right. So we're going to come back uh, at the time we're recording. Hadn't had the first service at the church. The book is still in process. Jeff has got a rough draft. He's got 40,000 words done. Unbelievable. Uh, he's working through the logistics and admin stuff. He's thinking about his launch marketing plan along with his publisher, Zondervan. So we'll track along the way and uh, we'll see how Jeff Henderson practices what he preaches. <laughs> we'll see but, if we launch, right? Yeah, and if he's not, a preacher. I'll, this is <laughs> if I'll get kicked off the launch university team if I don't launch anything. No, you're modeling the way, <laughs> which I really appreciate. So I'm excited for you. Thanks, Dave. Um, it's going to, 2019 is going to be an unbelievable year for, for you. So uh, Launch University folks, again, we're honored that you'd spend this time with us. When you guys share feedback with us, we were, sh- we were talking about some of the things yeah. that you shared with us before we recorded this. You don't know how much it means to us because uh, we're holed up in a room. <laughs> We don't know. It's just two of us. The four of us aren't here. Yeah. So when, if, you, if you tell us, hey, this helped me, or I really enjoyed, enjoyed when you talked about that, it's huge. And sometimes you give us good constructive yeah. uh, feedback that we're trying to incorporate in as well. So don't hold back on that. And if, if you feel like you can encourage somebody else to, to join the tribe and listen, we'd love that as well. So at any rate, we're just honored that you're along this journey with us and uh, that we can do this. We can do all this together. So check out that uh, Launch University web uh, page. It's, it's Launch University, Y-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. We'll have the show notes there. A lot of good resources there. There's some free resources you can download. We've got Elevator Pitch. Yeah. To, just say a word on Elevator Elevator pitch. Well, if you've got an idea and you need to build some support, you need to be able to communicate it um, because leadership eventually comes with a microphone. You got to say, here's what this idea is about. And a great idea poorly communicated is a stalled idea. So what elevator pitch does is it takes your great idea, helps you communicate it so that you can create momentum. So we put together about 30 minutes of video content broken into modules and there's a, a big PDF workbook That's right. to help you learn sort of the craft of pitching your idea and then uh, to literally walk you through a step-by-step process to, to get your words around a specific idea. So um, check that out. If, if, if you're in the business of needing to communicate, sell somebody, take an idea and, and, and cast vision and have others come around you and support it. Yeah, hence elevator pitch. If you could get in an elevator and go up 10 floors when you got out, could you communicate your idea in a way that the other person could share it with someone else? That's great. All right, well, again, thanks for being with us. It is always a privilege to connect with you guys. Uh, Just encourage you to go out and launch something big and and start now. That's the message (laughs) for today. Start now. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.